Let's stay standing so we can pray quickly and ask God to prepare us for the word. God, we just come to you now and we just thank you that you can prepare our hearts. You teach us in scripture that you can take a heart that's hard and make it a heart of flesh. So if there's anything in our hearts to get in the way of what you want to do in our hearts right now, God, will you do a miracle in our hearts and prepare us that your work could be planted deep in our hearts to produce a harvest. God, we submit to you now. We want to do your will. We resist the devil. We thank you that he has to flee. Pray your protection on us and our children. We pray that in this hedge of protection that you'd minister, you'd bring freedom, and you'd heal us, and you'd also knock on the door of people's hearts who are without hope, and you'd draw them unto yourself in Jesus' name. And everyone believe it said? Amen. Amen. Awesome. You guys take your seats. So good to have you in the house. And like the guy said, Growth Track this Tuesday, we'd love to meet you. And you can just show up at Growth Track um, on Tuesday at 6.30 and take your first step in the life of the church. Uh, we've had a great day at Camps Bay, Malpus, and here this morning. And we started a brand new series, Matters of the Heart. We finished our series, Words to Live By. So I encourage you, if you are doing that devotional and you're still doing it, finish that. It's, it's a phenomenal devotional. And uh, we are starting a brand new series over the next three weeks, uh, Matters of the Heart. And my wife would have kicked it off um, this morning over here. And, and yeah, uh, we had a great morning at Malpus. I know Matt at, at Camps Bay kicking it off. So I encourage you to lean into this um, because a lot of people with this topic that we're speaking into, um, yeah, they, they actually are slightly confused. Uh, they misunderstand their part in the journey and really God's heart for us when it comes to the topic we're about to lean into. Uh, but I don't know if you've ever uh, been misunderstood. Anyone been misunderstood? You said something, they took it in the wrong way, and there was disconnect. And, and, and then you know that you have to talk to them about the disconnect. You have to actually have to go to them and say, listen here, what I actually was trying to say was this and, and, and yeah. Um, anyone ever um, sort of actually made a mistake by going to somebody that you thought was another person and had a conversation with them? Anyone ever do that? I remember seeing... Um, um, a guy that I thought was the head of missions at another church and went to him with all passion, but he actually was my ex-teacher. So it was actually, and I spoke to him the whole time as if he was the other, the other guy. Meanwhile, he wasn't that guy. Then I walked away. He was so nice. He just received this conversation. And then I walked away and said, that's so not the guy. Like, anyway, and, and then I almost lived knowing that I, anyway, luckily I saw him months later, and I was like, hey, remember when we had that car? I actually thought you were somebody else. And he was like, no stress. I didn't really care what you're saying. Like, no, no, no. So, um, but some misunderstandings can be so bad that you actually um, really are affected. Your heart gets a bit sore. Maybe even you've had a misunderstanding where, where you've actually got a really unhealthy heart because of it. You've actually got a, a bit of poison in your heart. You maybe got offended, and, and you haven't made right, and it's actually disconnected you. And I think a lot of people live in this space when it comes to being a steward of what God's given you, being a steward of maybe finances, your time, and, and your talent, and, and maybe you've even got an opinion about church, and, and you've actually fully, totally misunderstood God's heart when it comes to money, and, and you've lived in this space. I've had a good misunderstanding. I remember being on holiday in Amstranga Sands, timeshare holiday that we got given by um, my family, by my wife's family, and, and um, we were in Amstranga Sands, and the box were playing the Scotland. 
and they were staying at Beverly Hills. And I remember the, they, their bus stop, we were out, and I said, let's stop. And, and I jumped out the car, and there I got hold of Eben Etzebeth and Sia Khaleesi. I got a photo with them. I ended up putting it on social media years later to make people think that we're close friends, which a lot of people do. But it's not true. Um, uh, but, but I remember that moment. And, and they were staying in the Beverly Hills. And right across from Beverly Hills is the Oyster Box. It's quite a well-known restaurant. It's like the, the flagship restaurant, flagship hotel in, uh, in that Mshlangi area. Pretty much you're doing it. The Oyster Box is quite a well-known restaurant. So on that trip, friends of ours who run a church in Pine Town and in Hillcrest let us use a car. And so we thought, you know, to say thank you, because they let us use it for seven days, we're going to go buy a voucher. I'm going to buy a voucher at the Oyster Box. So, so you know what I mean? Just to bless them. And as I went to the Oyster Box, I clearly walked towards a door that was not an entrance door. And this guy stopped me and said, oh, you're not allowed in here. You're not allowed through this door. And another guy sh- shouted from the back, we're letting the rugby players through that door. And I was like... I like, showed him a sidestep and I signed his top and I was like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I'm just, anyway, I'm scary for the game. And, and then I walked through the door. But I accepted that misunderstanding. I don't know what position they thought I was playing, if it was just the guy carrying the bags or um, if I was part of the rugby team. I'm thinking they would have probably been thinking I was a winger or something. I don't know what you guys think. Like, you know, because I look fast. But, but I accepted that. My wife, she, you would have heard this morning here, she had a totally different misunderstanding that actually almost hurt her a bit. Could have really just broken her heart. She was uh, a teenager, healthy, playing first team netball and really, um, really happy with her shape. And she goes to Zambia. She's in the final few years of school, and she's walking uh, with one of the locals, and the lady turns to her and says, you fat. And she says, what? She's like really, like feeling great. And she says, you're fat. And she totally misunderstood why the heck this lady was telling her she's fat. Um, She ends up finding out later, it's actually a massive compliment. It means that you've got resources, that you can eat well and take care of yourself. You're fat. I want to say to you guys, you're fat. You know what I mean? And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. Anyway, back end of winter. So, and I release you guys. Go tell everyone else that as well this week. See, see the response. But, but a lot, a lot of people can live in a space where they misunderstand. And my wife could have easily been left Zambia, crushed. I'll never go back there. Everyone thinks I'm fat. And, um, but, but they were just trying to give her a compliment. We're going to quickly look at a scripture that hopefully gives you understanding uh, about your role that God's got for you. It's found in Matthew 25, 14 to 28. Here we go. Um, let's, let's lean in together. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. So, of course, it's Jesus telling us the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated. I'm going to tell you a story that you actually can understand the kingdom of heaven a bit more. A man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. So, of course, we see that what was given was determined by the abilities they had, and God knows our abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. A servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account 
of how they'd used his money. The servant to whom uh, he had entrusted five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I've earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handing the small amount, so now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I've earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handing the small amount, so now I'll give you uh, many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant, gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant, if you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the account, in the bank, sorry? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with 10 bags of silver. If we look at the story, this story illustrates the kingdom of heaven. In this story, God is the landowner. You and I would be like one of those people that's been entrusted with the bags. Of course, what gets entrusted to us would be determined by our abilities. What we learn about this is that you and I, in this story, we are the stewards. We steward what, and we manage the property of someone else. The first thing I want to say, and we need to take number one, I am not the owner. That's what I say to myself, and I need to keep saying to myself, I need to stay in a place where I'm saying, I am not the owner. Psalm 50 verse 12 is God speaking. He says, if I were hungry, I would, tell, I would not tell you, for the world is mine and all that is in it. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 26, for the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So this parable is... If we look into it as God being the owner, well, this is true. If you look into Scripture, you see that God already tells you He owns everything. Everything comes from Him. It's made, sustained by Him, and it's been made for Him. He is the owner. What does this parable of the talents also show us? Well, we see the first person receives five talents. He increases it by another five brings it back to his master, and his master says, um, well done, good and faithful servant. You guys know that phrase, well done, good and faithful servant? Anyone in this room, like me, want to hear that one day? Well done, good and faithful servant. It's the only place in the Bible it's found is in the parable of talents. The only place in the Bible where you find well done, good and faithful servant is the back end of stewardship. A lot of us actually live in this life, I want to do this, this, but the only place we find this phrase used is where God sees a faithful steward. And then he says, well done. I'm going to give you more responsibilities. Let's celebrate. The second thing we see is that the one with two talents who produces two more 
gets the same response and the same reward. So what your reward in heaven isn't determined by how much you manage. It's determined by how you manage what you've got well. It's not a competition. This life isn't about getting more. It's about doing more with what you got for God. Yes, in this life, God can entrust you with more, but that's not the goal. Because if life is about getting more, you'll never become generous. You'll always think you need to keep it. Because whatever you give away, you lose. But you and I can have the same reward if you're faithful with what God's given you. You're running your own lane. You don't have to compete with anyone else. The other thing we see about the third person, it says that he put it under a rock. He said, you know what? You, I've heard that this is what you do. And he fears the worst case scenario. Of course, fear drove him to put it under a rock. You and I, if we live in fear when it comes to what we've been entrusted, we're never actually going to reach our destiny. We're always going to make bad decisions. Fear will always cause you and I to put what God's given us under a rock. Fear will put cause us to put what God's given us in a place that it becomes useless. Fear might drive you to just focus on yourself. Fear might drive you to almost neglect it. It's almost like he was like out of sight, out of mind. I fear what could happen. Someone's going to put it under a rock. Because you must remember the landowner goes and comes back to settle accounts. You must remember Jesus, before he ascends, he pulls an Arnold Schwarzenegger. He says, I'll be back. Like, this, like, I know, it's a, like I'm thinking, why am I cracking that joke? Because that, so, that movie's so old. How many people actually know it? Hey? Only Kaya and myself and Chris. Nah. Uh-uh, no, no. <laughs> but Jesus says, I'll come back. And, and one day he's going to come back and settle accounts. One day you and I are going to stand before God. How long was it under a rock? His whole life? Did he just put it there? And some I think because he couldn't see it, that he wasn't responsible for it. See, the crazy thing is, even if you don't think you're a steward, you'll still be held accountable. They'll still ask the question, hey, what did you, how did you steward? Oh, but I did it, I put it under a rock. Yeah, that didn't disqualify you from the pot. Because in the story, God's the owner and you're the steward. You're always the steward the rest of your life. There's never a point where you and I are the owners. We're always the steward of it. We're always the manager. The, the crazy thing is, okay, Andre, is it really about money? Well, it says the landover gave him his money. And at the end, you know what he says to the wicked servant? He said, why didn't you put my money in a bank? What? God said money and then he said mine? Think about it. What, do, what would God say about your money? He'd call it my money. 
put yourself in the story, that's what he'd call it. You know, my kids, my girls, he'd say it's my girls. My wife, he'd say that's my daughter, my princess. This city, he'd say that's my city, Cape Town. This country, that's crazy about that. He loves my kids, my wife, the city, this country even more than I do. He cares more about my money than even I do. He cares more about my time and my talent than even I do. So when I feel stressed about what's mine, I can turn to a God who cares even more. Say, God, I'm just the manager. Please help me. I want to do a job where you say, well done. You know, if you're renting a house, you've got a landlord, a lord of the land. You be a steward of that, take care of it. My dad always said you need to take better care of other people's stuff. That's what I got taught. But the cool thing is, if something breaks and you can't fix it, you can find the landlord. And God's not expecting you to be able to fix everything. He's expecting you to understand your part. Because there'll be parts where you have to call on his name. I don't know what to do with my daughter. I don't want to say I don't want to do with my wife. Like, is it like... <laughs> but women can say, I don't know what to do with my husband. Anyway, so, number two. So in this story, God is the owner. He's the owner. But what's crazy is maybe you and I have a problem. Come on, as a young person, my, my children are 10 and 8, and, and they say, thank you, mommy and daddy, and sometimes I have to remind them, like, Hey, can we do this? No, we, we, remember, we're working, we're getting this, but, but right now, this is what we can do. I don't know if, not all teenagers, but you become a teenager, and, and you have a disconnected parents. Your parents are like, listen, you know, I own this house. One day, you're going to be out of here. Mom, me and mom are going to be fine. We're going to get a dog, empty nest syndrome. We'll get through it. But you're going to be out of here because we own it. And before you came into this house, we were here. Because <laughs> the teenager goes, it's mine. It is this, but it's not. We've, in a way, as Christians, we've got teenager problems. We expect everything from God, and then we still think it's ours. So when God says, hey, can I release that for the kingdom? Can you make yourself available to serve there? Can you release that? You say, but it's mine. Well, listen here, before you got here, it was just me, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And we can make sure that you're not involved. Anyway, like you know what I mean? Once you're under my roof, my atmosphere, you do what I say. Well, how do you become an adult? Maturity is stepped into as we become stewards. Owner, when you think like an owner, you'll find you'll be more immature. Because have you ever met somebody who's not an owner, who thinks they're the owner, and then tells people what to do? Come on, that's the most irritating thing. They walk through there. And they're like, you're like, what are you doing here, bro? Don't walk like an owner, walk like a steward. There's only one person who walks like an owner, 
And Adam and Eve used to see him walking through the garden. It was God. He's the only one. We're all stewards. When you walk like a steward, you're going to be way more at peace because God owns it all. You're going to actually feel such gratitude that he lets you be involved in what he's doing. And you'll be way more mature. But you find it, come on, you have a good day at work and you're a steward of it. You drive and you actually feel a lot better. When you've actually been at work and just been on Facebook and messaged your friends and done no work, even though you feel like you've got a free day, you actually don't feel as good. It actually takes away from you because you were designed to be a steward. You were designed to work like a steward. So yes, it's all God's. He owns it all. Number three, I am a steward. So I realized that. That stewardship's actually the call of God in my life. That before anyone sinned, stewardship was given to us as a gift. Adam and Eve, you can live in this garden, now tend to it. They hadn't sinned yet. Stewardship is a gift from God. There was no sin connected to it. Work is a gift from God. Because he says to the faithful servant, use more responsibility. One day you're going to stand and give account to God. And God will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Here's more responsibility. And in heaven, you are going to enjoy it. Because there won't be any distractions. You will feel what it really was, what we were designed for. We were designed to play a part. And in heaven it says you'll become a ruler over things. That's if you look at the scripture, King James. That's why you feel, I believe, a bit more pure and that you have more integrity when you do a good day's work because you don't feel like you've robbed somebody. But when you go to work and you don't work well, you feel like you're stealing from someone. The landowner? But you and I, no, Adam and Eve got it before they sinned. Then Satan shows up on the scene, like a snake or maybe a red devil. Anyway, like, you know, because the red devil's over there in the corner. Anyway, <clears throat> but we'll do a salvation afterwards. We'll baptize you. come out to Liverpool top. Anyway, don't worry, because <clears throat> you never walk alone. Yeah. But... He says, you, you see this tree? Because Jesus says to Adam and Eve, you can eat from anything, tend to this garden, but you don't eat from this tree. I reckon every day they walked past the tree and saw the tree they couldn't eat from. You know what they remembered? Our God is good. He's given us everything else, but he is the owner. Yep. Satan goes, why don't you eat from this tree? You can be like God. What are you saying? You can be like the owner. You could be just like the owner of this garden. Why don't you eat from this tree? God doesn't want you to eat from him because then you'll be like him. Satan wants to trick you and I into thinking that ownership is where it's all at. But scripture teaches us that stewardship is where it's all at. Well done, good and faithful servant. 
And even as God's called us to this, Deuteronomy 8 verse 18 shows us, but remember the Lord your God, for it's he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. So those people with the, the guy with the fire talent, God actually gave them the ability to bring increase. And the person with the two talents, God gave. So God is so not so for you, he not only gives you the gift of stewardship, he gives you the ability to be a steward. When you and I are living in stewardship, it's like we're living before in a space outside of sin, in a way. It's like we're living pre the curse. I know I'm like going a bit like thinking about it, but it's like quite out there to me. That, that it's like touching moments that Adam and Eve experienced before the sin. It clearly is like breathing, like life. Of course, what we also noted about, noticed about being a steward is that he tells the, one, the guy with the one talent to put it in the rock, he says, you could have put it in a bank. You could have um, invested it so it could have increased. So the owner's expecting us to increase what he's given us. Stewards increase, they protect and increase. They expand what God's given them. God is, is expecting us to bring increase. Okay, so why be a steward? Why should we get involved in stewardship? Is it all about money or just time, talent? Why? Well, it said, this is what the kingdom of heaven's like. So there is an owner. And they understood what the owner wanted. You and I need to, in this story, this parable, look at the owner and go, what does our owner want? What's the most important thing to him? Well, let's think about it. God sent his one and only son into the world to die on a cross and to pay the biggest bill because the wages sin is death. And he paid it with his blood. And Jesus faces death. And he says, why are you forsaking me? And he goes to this lonely man, but he defeats Satan. And he, God raised him out the grave. Same power that conquered the grave lives in us. So we see our owner says, people are the prize. Don't let your stewardship be stuck in the temporary because you can't take money to heaven and you can't take your talent to heaven, but you can take people to heaven. So God would like you to use your temporary resources for an eternal victory. He'd like you to bring increase in building His kingdom. Revelation 9 verse 7 says that God's coming back for His bride. Who's His bride? The bride His bride's the church. The owner is coming back for his bride. I need to make the most of my resource so that his kingdom moves forward on earth. That we build his church and we reach people.
the state of God's kingdom rests on our ability, in our ability to steward His resources in accordance with His heart. The speed at which the church moves at is determined by the stewardship of His people. The speed at which the church moves at in this city, in this nation, is, the, is connected to us. We're the managers. We're the bank. He's putting His resource into us. Hopefully, God would point and say, why didn't you put, you, why didn't you release your more resources to Chris? He's taking care of people. Why didn't you put more resources to Saki? He's, he's seeing young people rise up. Hopefully, we're those kinds of banks. Like we, we carriers, we're those kinds of managers. We people who bring increase. People are getting saved. People, we're actually readily available. The last thing I want to say tonight, it's just a question. Andre, are you a good steward? Am I a good steward? Because as you get increase, you're going to be pulled in certain directions. See, if I, if I put somebody in front of you who's got the ability and the resource to release 500,000 rand into the kingdom of God, and they release 400,000 rand. And then I put somebody else in front of you who's God's given the ability to re- release 800 rand into the kingdom of God, but they, re- they release 2,000 rand in the kingdom of God. Who gets the well done, good and faithful servant? Who's increased what they had on their ability? I'm asking you, and that's what we need to remember. It's not about how much you give, it's according to your ability. God's gonna ask you a question according to your ability what he's given you it's not a competition you run your own lane but am I a good steward Luke 12 verse 16 is another parable Jesus telling it he says and he told him this parable the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest he thought to himself what should I do I have no place to store my crops then he said this is what I'll do I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones and there I'll store my surplus. Don't you mean God's surplus? The crazy thing is whenever we experience increase, we always step into wanting to become the owner. My surplus. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, drink and be merry. He thought that his temporary resource will give him more time on this temporary earth. Then God says to him, but God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you prepared for yourself? And maybe who's going to spend it? But here's another question. Then who's going to be impacted by it? Who's going to hear the gospel because of it? Think about who could have, whose lives could have been changed. How many more people would have gone to heaven if you just didn't think it was yours? Because you're always a steward. You're never an owner. This is how it will be for those who store up for themselves, 
who store up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. It's like he lived in the temporary. He thought the resources were there to make his temporary comfortable, and his temporary was taken away like that. Because of this, we understand that God has blessed me with more than I need so I can make an eternal difference in the life of others. Because this life is a preparation for the next, I will value stewardship over ownership. I'm going to value stewardship over ownership. I'm going to value people over possessions. If you value possessions, you'll use people to get more possessions. But if you value people, you'll use your possessions to reach more people. People are the prized possession. And then I'll value the eternal over the temporal. God didn't, wasn't upset that he had more. God wasn't upset that he had bigger bonds. God was upset that he thought it was his and that it got him focused on the temporary. And he took his eyes off eternity. When your eyes are on the temporary, you'll never see the opportunity to build God's eternal kingdom. When your eyes on the temporary, opportunities to build a, God's eternal kingdom are just obstacles and they're interruptions to your schedule, they're interruptions to your time, they're interruptions to your money, they're interruptions to your dreams. Because they're your dreams. You're the owner of your dream. You're the owner of your time. But actually we're not. We're the stewards of it. Philippians 3, 18 to 20 says, Many uh, live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. We eagerly await a Savior from there. The Lord Jesus Christ. He'll one day return. And we'll get to give an account. What did you do with what I've given you? And I'm trusting that every one of us will get well done, good and faithful servant. I'm going to give you more responsibilities. Let us celebrate. Do you want to close your eyes quickly? Just take a moment to respond. I don't know what you need to go to God about. Study more. But I want you to not let this moment pass you by. We can't fool ourselves that we can hear these things and not apply it. last thing I want to do tonight is give anyone in this place who is far from God an opportunity to open up the door of their heart. The Bible says that God knocks on the door of your heart. Even while I was speaking, Scripture points out that He draw, the Holy Spirit draws people unto 
to God and to himself. And that's what he'd be doing while I was speaking. Even in worship, God would have been doing it, even in the baptisms. And maybe you sensed it. It's like he's knocking on the door of your heart. That's actually a sign that God's saying, I want to be your Savior and your Lord. I want to come into your heart. Maybe you're sensing that because you've actually closed the door of your heart. You've actually asked God to step off the throne of your heart. And you've put something else in His place. And God wants to be back in His rightful place at the center of your life. As the Lord of your life and your Savior. Maybe you need to open up that door tonight again. As you do that, He says He'll come into your heart. He'll forgive you of your sins. The Bible says if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. The Bible says if we call in His name, it will be saved. If that's you, I'd love to lead you in a prayer. With every eye closed and myself and the prayer team are looking out, if you would like to open up the door of your heart, receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I was going to count to three. If that's you, just give me a wave and say, will you lead me in that prayer? I want to receive Jesus tonight. One, two, three. If that's you, just pop your hand up. Say, Andre, that's me. I actually know God's touch is speaking to me. I know I need to put, well, give him my life. I need to put my life in his hands. Just pop your hand up quickly if that's you, so then I can lead you in a prayer. Awesome. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. You guys can put your hands up. Let's quickly pray as a church family. Let's do it together. Jesus, thank you for knocking on the door of my heart. I want to open up that door and receive you as my Savior and my Lord. I confess that you are the Son of God. I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. The Bible says, because of this confession and this belief, that I'm saved, I'm changed. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can I just give Jesus praise in this place? Awesome. So I want to encourage you, um, like CJ and Matt pointed out, we do have Next Steps cards um, in the front row under your seat and then, of course, in the seat cover in front of you. If you'd like us to pray for you this week, our prayer team and our staff pray, why don't you fill out that card? You don't have to put your name on it. Um, you can just write out what, your prayer request. But if you'd like to take the next step, I'd encourage you to fill out that card, write your details clearly so we can read it. Um, but the next step for everyone is growth track. So if you've made a decision to give your life to Jesus, we'd love to see you this Tuesday night at 6 30. We can tell you more about following Jesus. It's a course you can do on your device. It's seven steps on how to follow Jesus. So if you gave your life, that is something we encourage everyone to do. And like the guy said, if you're new, you can go to the red banner to grab your first cappuccino. And then for anyone who wants to sign up uh, for Rise Camp, you can go, there's, you'll see computers as you go out, you can sign up. Just a thought, um, our next generation, they're going to hear social media, they're going to hear all these voices, or they're going to hear God's voice. You need to position them. Simple way to do that, get them on a camp, they have some fun, get into encounter. And God speaks into why He formed them, why He made them, and the purpose He has for them. It's an awesome time. They say, don't miss next week um, in the series, but have an awesome week. God bless you guys.